Welcome to St. Andrew's Life U 2022 through 2023. In this season, the Spirit is calling us to explore four life-giving faith practices, serving our neighbor, tending to scripture, telling our faith stories, and worship and prayer. We hope you'll join us Wednesday evenings for a meal, a dynamic talk, and opportunities for small group conversation. For more information, visit our website at www.standrews.org forward slash life you. And now you have an opportunity to hear last week's talk. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening. I am Pastor Sarah Breckenridge, the executive pastor here at St. Andrews, and welcome to Life U 2022. It's the kickoff. So good to be in person and to have all of you here, but also welcome to all of those who are joining us online. Why don't you folks turn around and wave at the camera so they know they're a part of this community as well. We're glad you are here. Yes, Life You, living in faith every day. We are based on John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. And so as followers of Christ, we're trying to figure out how do we embrace and live that life of joy um, and full life, abundant life, every day. And so we came up with these four spiritual practices. So you'll see on the calendar that's up on the screen is that with the spiritual practices, we hit them in a different month. So we kick off this month, October, with the serving our neighbor courageously and generously. And then in November, we're going to move to tending to scripture, which is going to be awesome. We're going to have a professor from Luther Seminary talking about the book of John because right after November, we will be kicking into the book of John all through the next year as our lectionary and what you'll be hearing preached on. So to learn all about it before we do will be incredible. And so that leads us into December, which is our Advent pause, where we'll get to learn more about John and and through our studies. And then in January, it's about sharing our faith stories, which is really how do you just talk about your life because your life is a faith story. And so learning the confidence in how to do that. And then also we believe that if we do engage in worship and prayer, we do find a way to embrace that abundant life that Jesus has for us. So what are some of the ways we can do that more fully as a community? So that's just a little look at how the year is going to roll out. And then that leads us right into Lenten worship and to Easter. And so um, we're excited about the speakers and all that we have coming before us. Um, But before I actually um, move into introducing our speaker for tonight, let's just take a moment to pray. Gracious God, for the gift of another gorgeous fall day, for the gift of life, for the gift of this community and your presence stirring here among us, stir our hearts and our minds that you would open our hearts and our ears to hear your word for us tonight. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. For those of you who don't know, Kelly Chapman has joined our staff as a part-time pastor of community engagement. We have been so thrilled in the ways in which she has been uh, becoming more involved within our staff and with our whole community, and you probably heard him preach. He's an incredible preacher. We always look forward to his opportunities to do that. But as pastor of community engagement, you may be going, what's that? Well, it's important to know that he helps us to live more fully into our imagination of what does it mean to be a place of radical hospitality and inclusion. And how do we not do that just here within our walls, 
but out into the community and, and, and invite the community in, but also get us out into the community, reflecting that light and love of Christ into the world. And so we're grateful for the ways in which he is embedding himself within our community and the ways that he is teaching us to grow. And we have a wonderful short little introduction video that actually his congregation before made for him kind of as a parting gift, but it will give you a little more insight into who the man really is. So let's watch the screen. Hi, my name is Kelly Chen, and I'm a pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church, and I'm the director for Redeemer Center for Life, a nonprofit here in the Harrison neighborhood of North Minneapolis. And I was born in uh, 1951. That makes me 80, no, 68 years old. I was born in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. And when I was like four years old, uh, my parents moved our family to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, We were part of that migration of African-Americans from the segregated South to the industrial North. So my first 18 years of life was in Detroit, Michigan. And then I came to Minnesota to go to college. Uh, And then I uh, graduated from college in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, in preparation to become a pastor. And then I went to seminary in St. Louis at a a school called Seminex. And after one year, I I quit. I wasn't getting what I aspired to from my uh, training and I felt like they were teaching me how to fold my hands and how to lead worship and I, I wanted to get into action. And so from there I moved to Washington DC where I um, operated, um, ran a nonprofit working with ex-offenders and homeless people and I did that for about 10 years and, went and finished my seminary training. Uh, Marion Cheryl was one of the highlights for me. Uh, this amazing woman that I married, Cheryl Chapman. Uh, her maiden name was Cheryl Troutman. And I met her when I was in Washington, D.C. She was doing graduate work in North Carolina. And we happened to come together at the same conference. And, and the sparks were flying. And, uh, and we could tell we really liked each other. But we never like really said anything. We went our separate ways. And, and then five years later, it was another conference. And, uh, and we re-met. And, and we made sure we didn't, uh, didn't depart without knowing that we had each other's contact. From there, I went to Portland, Oregon, where I uh, worked at a boarding school and uh, working with affluent families. And some of my former students, I did a wedding at a castle in Germany and an island in Hawaii. And, I uh, uh, had a wonderful experience with that boarding school. It was called Oregon Episcopal School. I didn't grow up being around well. And I remember I, I, I literally prayed to God. I said, God, okay, I've been successful you know, my young life. I said, if I do this and if I'm successful, then I know that the gospel is true. And by the gospel, I mean that uh, God's love helps us to transcend all boundaries. And so I really did that as a a test to see how real is God. And so that was a really important thing for me and the affirmation of uh, being invited to do weddings and to enter into people's lives. And that sense of people are people no matter what your social economic 
background. You know, just I'm blessed to be a people person, and um, there's been so many places where that has been affirmed for me. Well, good evening. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for those uh, kind words, but especially thank you for the prayers that center us in our time as we gather uh, this evening. Um, I, uh, I, I want to say that uh, the goal for our time together, I've got a PowerPoint. The goal is to not get through the PowerPoint, but that we go th at the pace of relationship. And so I hope that this can be as uh, interactive and as connecting as possible, uh, that it would deepen us. And, and when I um, have, uh, see how I do with this first slide, um, already getting ahead of myself. Uh, so the question, who's sitting in the pews? And uh, thank you for hearing a bit of my story, uh, but we all have our story. My story, a little bit more that you didn't hear in that, is that after my family moved to Detroit, uh, my parents had migrated from the South and they were in a new setting. And so we, we did faith in our home. And our, our parents would have us line up and uh, we would recite a Bible verse or like we would memorize the 23rd Psalm and we would take turns, you know, sharing um, our... Uh, that we had learned that psalm or that verse or whatever it was. But we only went to church on Easter. Uh, our parents, uh, our father worked two jobs and, uh, and my parents were new into a new place in the community. And so I, my picture of church was when we would get dressed up and there were 12 children in my family. And I, I had this picture, we would march to the nearest church, which happened to be a Baptist church a couple blocks away. And I had this picture that we were like this mother and, and father duck, and we were the little ducklings following our parents to church. And then my, my, my father had a rule that though we didn't go to church as a family regularly, he had a rule that if we wanted to go to the movies during the week, then we had to go to church on our own. So my siblings and I, we, had, uh, we, we didn't uh, think highly of the church. We called going to church taking a dive. It's what we did to get what we really wanted to do, which was to go to church. And we moved to a new neighborhood, and uh, I was in seventh grade, and I was remembering, I was listening to one of my new classmates, a boy named Willie Woods, and Willie was describing how pretty the girls were in his Sunday school. Well, I wasn't particularly religious, but when I heard Willie describing how pretty those girls were, I felt a conversion coming up. So I invited myself to visit Willie's church, and I walked about a mile and a half to Willie's church according to his directions. And I got into this really nice neighborhood called Indian Village. It's about a mile from our home. And, and I looked at the church, and it's a really pretty uh, church that didn't match my picture of Willie. But I, I took a deep breath. Those were his directions. So I went up to the, to the doors of the church, 
and I opened the door and I could hear children singing. I couldn't see anyone, but I could hear those children singing. So I imagined this must be the place. So I started walking down the steps and I could hear children singing. I just followed the voice of those children and I went down the hall. And just as I rounded the corner, there stood the entire Sunday school. And as I was standing there, I started to think, I'm going to kill Willie Woods. <laughs> so everybody in that church, they were white. And I was standing there. And as I was standing there, I had that tape going in my head about where you belong and where you don't belong. Somebody here knows what I'm talking about. When you're in that place of vulnerability and that tape is going about where you belong and where you don't belong. And as I was trying to figure out how I would make my exit, two Sunday school teachers came over to me and they gave me some instructional material about somebody named Martin Luther and they marched me in front of the entire Sunday school. Sorry. And the Sunday school began to sing these words. There's a welcome here. There's a welcome here. There's a Christian welcome here. The skies opened up. And a reality that I never imagined about the reality and the promise of God, the welcome of God's community, transcending the boundaries of race, class, sexual orientation, you name it, the welcome of God. We all have our story. We all have those places where somebody invited us into a relationship with God, a relationship with a reality that transcends the boundaries and the limitations that the world would set for us. And so as we enter into this time this week, we all have our story. And the purpose of our gathering this month and through the year is to go deeper into remembering our story as God's story and our calling to invite others in as well so that they also might be liberated from those tapes about where we belong and where we don't belong as a people of God. So at some point, I came to realize that the church is the most powerful institution in the world because there's no other institution that says it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you're welcome into the reality of God. And that power and communication is from us. Uh, there is, um, I just realized I had something I was going to read to you, but we'll do it next week. Um, so, something that I find helpful, that I hope might be helpful to you, and maybe you'll be able to use this in your small groups, as I think about how we go through and we can look at our lives going through three stages. I think of those stages as one being forming, the other being reforming, and the third being transforming. And thinking about forming, I think about how we are, are shaped into understanding ourselves, other people, the world. It's that kind of grounding about 
how we see difference. And that difference is alien to us or, or we're, we're grounded to see difference as something to be avoided or to not be uh, attached to. So when I think about forming, I think about those ways that we're, we're kind of grounded in how we see ourselves, our family, our neighborhood, our church. And so that forming is a way that centers us and, and can ground us, but also can be the place where we become stuck. And then that next piece, uh, stage, I think of as reforming. Reforming, I think of those places where we move into new uh, identities, new ways of seeing other people, new ways of seeing the world. So, so we begin with this forming that gives us a sense of identity, self, purpose, security, and we move into those places of reforming where we begin to see people and places and things in new ways. And then that third place is what I call transforming, where we see difference as a gift, as a place that, that we come to understand people and places in new and liberating ways. And so I think about this forming, reforming, and transforming as where we may find not only ourselves, our families, but also our church. That as we gather, there are people at St. Andrews and in every church who are really grounded and rooted in that sense of forming. And they're really rooted that this is the church and the way that it ought to be and always should be. And there are people who are experiencing reforming that, that, uh, there's the, that we take what we know and what has shaped us and we venture into the world in new ways. And we see difference as uh, opportunity, uh, as challenge, and we embrace that. And then in transforming, I think of that as being that place where we actually see difference and experience as liberating. And so in, in the church, in any congregation, we're gonna have people that are rooted in that place of forming, that place of reforming, and that place of transforming. And interestingly, as Lutherans, we really understand reforming as we understand our identity, our church, our faith, our baptism as an act of reforming. That we die to ourselves each and every day in order to meet God in new ways. So, so I invite you, maybe in, uh, in your small groups, to look at where do you see yourself where do you experience church in each of those places and stages? And some places maybe when we experience conflict or resistance or, or that we're, we're not communicating, well, maybe to be able to think about those places where people might be, um, find themselves. I'm trying to avoid saying stuck. So forming... reforming and transforming. Uh, so I would ask you, what is your experience of welcome? Thinking about, I believe that each of us has an experience of welcome, whether it began at your infancy as a, as a baptized person, uh, that we all have our experience of welcome and that grounding and that 
return on Sundays, uh, all those ways that we gather, there is an experience of welcome. And the challenge is for us is so often do we think about how important that is to others as well? Um, do we think of welcome as a gift that isn't just about shaping and being for us, but how important that is to others as well? Who is welcome? Do we think about that in ways that it's a part of our vocation, a part of our calling as a people of God? Or do we come to church and we're, uh, we're so rooted and so thankful, um, so encouraged that we're so invested in our experience that we don't think about how important that might be to someone else, inviting them in. Um, so I'm trying to make sure I don't go too fast with this. I, I'm also restraining myself um, so that I'm, I'm not supposed to go down to the floor. And it, my natural tendency would be like to get in your kitchen, to, to get out there and, uh, and interact with you. And I, um, and I don't know how to do that yet. So, uh, so this young woman, uh, as I say, that is uh, our Bishop Emeritus, Mark Hansen. Uh, that's his granddaughter. Uh, and that little boy that she's holding is Mark's great-granddaughter. So, um, so I just want to share the, 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 the gift of being church, the gift of being church together, the gift of being church that's expansive and powerful and welcoming to all people. And so the point of uh, this time with you this month, it's how do we liberate ourselves to exhibit that power of God in the most powerful of ways, the most generous of ways, the most welcoming of ways. It's there, but it can become very insular. It can be unto people that we're comfortable with, people that we're formed with, you know, when I think about forming, uh, reforming, and transforming, I think about people as an example. Maybe it's someone, a uh, person, or family that thinks about uh, gay, lesbian, transgender as an affront, as uh, um, um, you know, something to keep at a distance. And, and that's understandable. But then I think about if, if that's a couple and they wind up adopting someone, or they discover that their son or their daughter or their brother turns out to be gay, lesbian, or transgender, and they go through the experience of reforming, of seeing relationship, seeing someone not as an issue, but as, a, as another caring, loving human being. That's reforming of that relationship from forming to reforming and then ultimately a transforming relationship when they experience the wealth and the liberation of seeing someone not as an issue, not from a position or a stance, but of an experience of love 
and commonality, equity, and liberation. So we talk about welcome. Welcome, you know, I looked up the definition of welcome and it said it's about a gracious greeting. It's about seeing someone, inviting someplace from a stance of grace and greeting. Oh, I gotta watch it. Oh, I gotta, now I really gotta go. Um, so what is church? Uh, I gotta read this over here. Oh, I gotta watch where I move. Uh, it's the most powerful institution in the world. Uh, it's a liturgy that goes back to uh, 150 BC. Um, I was gonna read something to you by Justin Martyr that talks about worship. And for more than 2,000 years, We've been welcoming people in worship. Worship says that everybody is welcome, everybody's safe, and everybody belongs. And for 2,000 years, we've been experiencing that, uh, shaping that, refining that, but it's always centered on welcome, safety, and belonging. And that doesn't come from Kelly Chapman. That doesn't come from uh, St. Andrews. That comes from Jesus Christ. When, when we really look at those stories of scripture, it's God and Jesus Christ always welcoming someone, particularly those who are on the fringes. Welcome, safety, and belonging is embodied in the person of God in Jesus Christ. So, so that's what these words are about up here. And, and the point about that is it's, it's in our experience, each and every one of us. Each and every one of us has experienced welcome, safety, and belonging in church. And St. Andrews does that so well that you are here and people are, are, are streaming and, and there are people throughout the community that, that get it. But our calling is to share that message with people everywhere especially where we work, where we play, and where we study. And so when we gather on Sunday, it's to ground us in this reality of a God who welcomes everybody. And artfully, God invests, invests in us, St. Andrews invests in us, the church invests in us, that we might see that as our calling. All right, I know the clock is ticking. I, I was trying to go at the speed of relationship and, uh, and I've been doing too good at it. So, <laughs> so, so worship, I, I, I see worship as it, it founds us, it centers us as, in our identity as a people of God. So we're not just making wonderful music. We're, we're not just doing the pageantry of, of uh, service and, and great preaching but it is to deepen us in our awareness of God and the welcome of God and that we're, our calling is to share that out in the world. We do a great job with it here at St. Andrews, but our calling is to take it with us out into the places where we work, where we play, where we study, where people need to experience the welcome, the safety, and the belonging of God. It's not about us, people of God. It's about how God blesses us, empowers us 
to be the people of God in the world. Now, I'm going to just look at one more slide, and hopefully we'll have a couple minutes to be able to answer any questions or have some conversation. So, um, well, yeah, I'll do this. So, I translate worship, because what I have experienced as worship, uh, and I mean this, well, I'm... I was going to say I mean this respectfully, but translating the language of church into language that everyday people can understand it, right? That you don't have to graduate from Concordia or St. Olaf or Augsburg or Luther, forgive me if I'm forgetting any of the Lutheran colleges, Augsburg, Augustana, yeah. Um, So translating, and when we talk about worship, to be able to say that really translates a an experience for 2,000 years that anybody can walk in right off the street and enter into the experience of worship. Welcome, safety, and belonging. That you don't have to have already memorized the Augsburg Confession or that whatever, but to be able to walk in broken, scared, uh, with the tape going, and have an experience to say, oh my God. Oops. <laughs> yes, really, oh my God. This is designed for me. This is a welcoming place for me. And then what we do is we have the catechesis. That's a fancy word for saying the teaching of the church. And the teaching of the church is about welcome, excuse me, is about, I I did that, yeah, anyway, you know why I did it. So, so catechesis is a, is a, a, theological word that is really about teaching. And to be able to translate catechesis, the teaching of the church, into experience, exploration, and head knowledge. So for too long for me, my experience of the church has been, it's about how much I know cognitively. But no, catechesis teaching, it's, it's Bible study, it's, it's, uh, it's habitat, it's those experiences where we also have explore and experience how is God active in the world. And then lastly, when we talk about witness discipleship, translating that into it's the fulfillment of our potential as a people of God. It's those places, those opportunities where we are doing the work of God as part of the fulfillment of our faith. So I'm, I'm going to stop there um, and do it. Oh, we got more time. But I'd much rather use it. Yeah, yeah, I would love to be able to respond to any questions at the time. Now, I like to connect, and uh, I, I feel more confident that it's connecting if I'm responding to something. Unless I've done really bad. So how do you convince someone who's been raised in the church and then because of all the political things that are going on, that's going on in the extremism in politics and religion, they will have nothing to do with religion now because that's how they view religion. How do you welcome them back into the church and get them to come? Um, I, I hope that that's that framework of framing, of welcome, I mean about forming, reforming, transforming, 
is to be able to see that maybe they're in this place of forming um, and they're not able to be in that place of reforming yet? And how might you be in relationship with them? So when you talk about going at the pace of relationship, being able to understand or see where someone is at, and if you have the, the capacity uh, to be there for them, um, to, to see how you might support them in moving to that place of reforming, inviting them into those experiences. Um, um, I'd say it's the movement of God. Another thing that is important, some of our, um, our um, staff, all of them, there's something called the, the Intercultural Development Inventory. And that's an assessment where people take this, this, uh, this inventory. And the great thing about it is that it gives you feedback in terms of who you aspire to be and, and then feedback to how the world actually experiences you. And so once we're able to see that, that there's a, often a gap between who we aspire to be, who we think that we are, and how the world actually experiences us, then we can see what that work is to bridge that gap if we choose to do it, right? And so what I think about in terms of uh, people or person that, um, that might be, uh, what would I say, in this polarized place or in this position where they're really rooted in, you know, this is the way the world is. And the reality is uh, you'll find some of those people um, teaching, some of those people um, in leadership roles, whatever that is. Right? How can we be in relationship with them such that there might be movement from that positional place of being? And there might even be something for us to learn in the midst of that as well. Um, and it's a real challenge in our culture, which is so much about um, moving and um, changing, whatever it may be, um, to actually go at the pace of relationship. Um, on, our, on our fourth Wednesday, um, I'm going to be in a conversation with someone that um, might be perceived to be in a very different place than I am politically. And to demonstrate how we can be in dialogue and relationship with that, um, um, hopefully will be helpful. Um. So what I hear you saying is, I mean, I hear where she's at, you know, it's a timing. It's a what? Timing. You can't just force them. And it's persistence. However, it's discouraging because when you, you're wishing you could get through and you have the care and you're not successful with the person that you love so much. So I hear you saying it's God's intervention, our persistence, our love for the person. I'm not sure I'm getting it right. Yeah. No, I think your points are really uh, uh, important and that um, change in a church doesn't happen overnight. Also, churches are cultures. And the way that you change a church or people in a church is you have to change the culture. And that takes time. That also takes a critical mass of people that, that move it in the direction that it's going to go. Um, 
And as I'm saying that, I know that I'm forgetting what I was going to say. But, um. And I think, too, one of the things, Kelly, if I can just jump in quickly, is that um, if, right, in those relationships that are so difficult and we're struggling with them and we want them to, like, start to have a new mindset and an openness to hearing about this God of welcome, safety, and belonging, that what I'm taking from what you're saying that I absolutely love is are we creating that space for them in our relationship with them? Do they feel welcome with us or are they feeling judged? Do they feel like they belong and like they're safe? And um, to be honest, one of my biggest frustrations when uh, Kelly started working at St. Andrews is I'm like, okay, what's your program? What are you going to teach? How many classrooms do you need? And he's like, that's not how it works. I'm like, what? I'm like, we just want numbers. We want results. And how are we going to become more diverse and more inclusive? And Sarah, it's at the speed of relationships. And he has to keep saying that over and over to me because he knows from experience and has lived it that it really is the only way change happens is through our relationships with one another and the ways in which we're making the people feel who are sitting next to us. And I heard people saying, well, we don't have that much diversity within our church. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Look around, maybe not in color, but the ways in which we think, the ways in which we dress, the ways in which we're socioeconomic, the ways in which, and have we taken time to turn to the person next to us or the person out there? And instead of walking in being concerned about Who's going to talk to me? Like, who am I making to feel welcome here and safe and like they belong? And that you, every Sunday, that we have that great opportunity. And I love, too, how you talked about the church being the grounding place instead of, like, not only is that our goal to be that here, but we should come here and be so grounded in it that we are taking it. Because the sad part is, is there's families and homes where people don't feel safe, <laughs> or welcome, or like they even belong in their own families. And how sad is that? So how do we each just go into our own families and create and work on that and help those friends of us who know are struggling with that, that maybe you're not experiencing that in your family, but honey, you're going to experience it in mine, and you're welcome here, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. And, and so how do we then do that in our workplaces, and how do we do it um, in our schools and in our community? And it is, it's literally one relationship at a time. And so I just think that's super powerful, and I didn't yeah. mean to take over, but no, that's no, what no. I do. This is perfect, Sarah. Thank you. And uh, you reminded me of what I wanted to say, is how challenging the work is for the church. So... I, I meant to look at how many hours are we not in church. And all of those hours that we're not in church, we are impacted by a culture that is external to the ch church. And so if we want to change people, uh, we have maybe there's 10 hours a week that you are dedicated, that you're in a church. All those other hours, we're impacted by a culture that shapes our lives. And so... I'm not even talking about people in church, but about people that you're talking about, they're shaped by a dominant culture that is antithetical to what our mission is about welcome, safety, and belonging, where it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's all that stuff that we see on the news every night. And so impacting that really means having, oh, this is getting in my sermon. We really have to have our A game as people of God in order to have an impact on people that don't have a clue who God is, don't have a clue what, 
how God really grounds us in a reality that's about relationship. Not only with ourselves, not only with our money, not only with our neighborhood, when I say neighborhood, that sense of neighborhood that says not in my neighborhood. We really have to be grounded in who we are as a people of God. We really have to work on our A game in order to impact those people that you're talking about, in order for them to really see that there really is an alternative way to be successful. There really is an alternative way to have a meaningful life than how much money we have in the bank or how big our house is or you know, all of those other things. So um, we'll save something for next week. Um, uh, thank you all. And uh, yeah, we're done. Yeah, let's hear it up for Kelly Chapman. Woo-hoo! Yes, a great dialogue that has begun, and so we hope you will come back next week. Next week, we are going to be looking at the power and influence of worldview, because we all know that how um, we see the world and our worldview affects how we um, are as a community and as how we are a community together. So we're going to ponder that, um, the ways in which our worldviews affect the ways in which we live out in in our daily lives. So hope that you will come back. Also a reminder that many of you I know are in small groups. Some of you are like, ah, I forgot, didn't get around to it. I'm not sure. I just maybe would be interested in still talking about what tonight's discussion was with some other people and just tonight. You're welcome to stay in here and just move up towards the front if you are not already signed up for a small group. If you need to go, just go. But also know that if you are in a small group, all of us with our fancy um, clipboards, which I get so excited to carry, um, I get to tell you where your small group is meeting. And there will also be out on the tables right outside. So if you are in a small group, as you leave, you can find out which small group you are in. But truly, we are thrilled that you were here tonight. And so I just want to say, go in peace, serve the Lord.